This is the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 217. Welcome back to the show. I'm Alyssa. And before we get into today's episode, I feel like I need to give a little bit of a disclaimer, a little warning, PSA. Do not listen to this episode if you are hungry. Go grab a snack because today we are talking to Shanna Wyatt about her dip business. For the past few years, Shanna has traveled to craft shows selling her homemade dips. This is something that comes up in our Facebook group often. How do you find shows? What is the travel like? How much money can you make? And Shanna answers all those questions in this interview. Listening to her share it though and talk about her favorite dips and sampling them, it's going to make you salivate. So Heath says in the beginning of this episode that he's not really a dip person, which is true. He goes for the queso or the chips and salsa every time. I am totally a dip person. If there are appetizers, like at a party, I'm going to put all those dips onto one plate, except for bean dip, because bean dip is gross, and pile it with chips, and I'm not going to eat dinner. I'm just going to eat dips and then dessert. So... I could not make it through this episode without getting on Shanna's website, Chadwick's Naturals, and ordering some dips. So I'm really excited for those to get in the mail, hopefully here soon. Before we get into the interview, here is a word from this week's unsponsored sponsor. I exploit the often embarrassing stories of my personal life to get you to do squats. I have a not-so-secret mission of convincing people to keep moving, to help their sanity, reduce pain from prolonged sitting, and to help them access all those tight spaces in an RV with ease. Lately, many stories have been RV-related, but they previously included swimming in jello, which resulted in 51 million YouTube hits, failing to climb Kilimanjaro, building a multicolored igloo the news called the Disco Ball Igloo. I'm Maggie, and you can catch my next story at personaleuphoria.com or look for my book, Keep Moving, Take Steps to Relieve Pain and Improve Your Life. Thanks, Maggie. I am not going to lie. When I got a voicemail from Personal Euphoria, I was pretty sure that was a link that I did not want to click on. But Maggie's website is awesome, and I'll link to that on our website in the show notes. Now back to Heath and Shanna talking about craft shows. Shanna, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here. You're hanging out at TTO Orlando. uh, And we just kind of went through this whole deal of like acronyms that I haven't, I knew nothing about. But apparently, the Thousand Trails in Orlando, I just learned is where everybody hangs out who is a part of the full time family community, or at least that's what it sounds like. It is. Um, we are all over here. The um, B-Field is where we all hang out. We've probably got 20 to 30 kids um, most times. And it's just a big party, it seems like, with these children. <laughs> I mean, that's so cool. I mean, one of the things that um, I'm excited to get back on the road with Ellie, especially as like, well, this past summer, we were caravanning with some of our friends and they have a son who is near our daughter's age. And it was so much fun. It made my heart so happy to be able to have friends around for her to play with. And, you know, it was in some ways, it was easier when we were moving about more. So I'm I'm really looking forward to being able to get back on the road and be able to kind of facilitate that type of road community for Ellie. Cause I think that's such a really important part of, you know, being able to be on the road. And I'm sure a lot of fears for families who want to travel with their kids is like, are they going to be able to make friends on the road? You know? Absolutely. Especially in our travels, because we do travel from place to place so much with my business 
our two sons, Huck and Axel, they sometimes have um, a hard time in making friends because we're in and out. So being here um, during the winter, we get to actually stay for um, a few weeks at a time. So they really get to meet people and meet friends that, you know, at the end of this time, they will get to take phone numbers, emails, and they'll continue to interact with those children over different methods of communication and knowing that these families come back every year during the same time, we'll get to see those families again. It's like a, it's like a reunion. It is. I love it. Well, Shanna, I'm excited to dig into your story. We, and we talked a little bit before we jumped on, but when, if you, if you met somebody right now for the first time and you were sharing kind of like what you did for work, how would you describe what you do? Well, normally what I say is I sell dips. And the first thing that they ask me is like the Copenhagen dip. And I'm like, <laughs> no, um, the, it's the spice packets that you say that you, I make and I package and label and blend all the different recipes. And I sell, they mix up with a cup of mayonnaise, cup of sour cream, and you're good to go. I love it. And how do you make them being on the road? Like, where do you, where do you put them together? So we have a home base um, in North Georgia that is what I call my certified clean kitchen. It's a um, 20 by 10 building that has all of our recipes that are already made up. And we go back there when I need to make more dips or I have a really, really good friend. It's actually where the building is located. If I'm in a pickle and I need more dips, she will run a batch for me and send it out to me. That is awesome. <laughs> Do you feel like that's an important part of selling your product at shows? If you if you tell people that you're traveling in an RV, that you have kind of a quote unquote clean certified kitchen somewhere, um, is that like an important component to you or not really? Oh, absolutely. Um, just because people are always worried when it comes to food and how things are packaged. You know, you don't want to be packaging these things in your small, tiny kitchen where you've just made dinner. So you want to have that clean kitchen. And most states require a certified clean kitchen to um, mix and make those ingredients with to the point where nothing else in that kitchen is done except for my dips. Okay, interesting. I didn't didn't realize that. Not that I would. I'm not in the food or dip business. But right. how many how many dip packets can you carry with you in your RV? I carry about 500 of each flavor. Wow. And I okay. have 30 different flavors. Okay. I'm doing math right now. Is that 3500? That is. Okay. Wow. Okay. I'm so, I'm so proud of myself for actually getting that right. <laughs> so you have 3,500 dip packets with you. And one of the reasons I was super excited to talk with you is because I've come across different people and the part of their intent in hitting the road is that they have a product and they're really going to base their travels around going to trade shows and pitching and selling their product. I know, you know, I almost want to take this conversation, at least in part out of the COVID times, because I think that at a certain point, we will get back to more cadence of trade shows. And it sounds like those are already coming up on the calendar this year. So this is how you've crafted really a big part of your business. So I guess at a high level, how many trade shows are you doing a year? And why was this the path that made the most sense for you in, you know, selling your dips? 
Well, I normally do 40 to 45 festivals pre-COVID a year. We take off a couple weeks, of course, to have some family time and so forth. Um, when I first got started in this, I've been an accountant for the last 20 years. And 13 years ago, I just, I wanted to get out of that rat race. So we started um, actually selling dips for another company. I did that for about a year and a half until I realized that I could make my own recipes and I could make my own dips. And I was getting all the money versus giving some of the money to someone else. But that is a good way to start for a lot of people. There are quite a few companies out there that do craft shows, trade shows. They're always looking for reps to do those for them. Um, there's actually a couple of full-time families that do this as well that are looking for reps. So there's, there's lots of options. But for me, I just wanted to quit doing financials for companies and I wanted to be able to own my own business and make my own schedule. And that is one thing that's amazing with selling at craft shows and festivals. If you want to do a show every week, you can do a show every week. If you want to do two shows, one show, it's really up to you. When you were selling somebody else's dip product at shows, what was it that kind of clicked for you and that you're, you were just thinking I could do this too, or you were just, making decent money and realize like this is actually a pretty if like you could see a path for you being able to make a full-time income doing this what was what was it that made you realize like I should just do this on my own well because it was very successful but we were on a commission base and um you know, I saw the potential in it and how it was, you know, when, when you're seeing that you're making another company in a weekend, three to $5,000 in selling a product. And you know that, you know, you're only getting a commission out of that. It's, it's a big letdown knowing that, you know, they're the ones making all the money and you're just trudging along. So knowing that I started putting recipes together and um, finding different things on the internet, asking friends so that I could, you know, not share those funds with anybody else. And I could <laughs> brand my own dips and really make a name for myself out there. So from deciding to make your own dips and leaving uh, selling for this company, how long was it before you went to your own trade show with your own dip? And can you also share the name of your, your dip company as well? Absolutely. Um, I started in 2009 selling for a company. And in 2013, we launched Chadwick's Naturals. And we started with nine different flavors, moved up to 14. And then it was 21. And then I went to 30 flavors, which is all my tables will allow. <laughs> and what is the crowd favorite over the years? So my number one seller is Asiago Prime Rib. It's not a normal dip flavor that you'd ever think. In fact, I have to tell people a lot of times to make sure they try it because my, it's my number one seller. And as soon as they do, they're picking up two or three packets of it. Um, if I sell 50 of one dip, I'll sell 200 of it. So um, it is absolutely wow. my best seller, but it's very out of the ordinary because in my dip recipes, I truly like to think outside of the box. So I start started playing around with meat recipes. So I have a good selection of those. I've got Asiago Prime Rib, which is my number one seller. Right behind that's chicken pot pie. 
Philly cheesesteak, and then lobster. So some of those are um, my meat and different um, seafood flavors that people really love. That sounds amazing. I mean, I'm not a particular dip person, but I'm so intrigued. I mean, I say that. I'm from Texas, so my dips are salsa, queso, and guacamole. And, you know, like we have seven layer dips and things like that at parties and stuff, but I've just become really intrigued. I feel like I, I, I need to branch out and try some Asiago prime rib dip because it just, you know, it just sounds good. <laughs> well, so, and Heath, I'll tell you, you just hadn't tried the right one. Um, once you do, and once most people say that, I hear people say that all the time, I'm not a dip person, or they'll try the dips and halfway through trying them, they say, you know, what are these made with? And I say, one cup of mayonnaise, one cup of sour cream, and you're done. And they get this look on their face because they hate mayonnaise. <laughs> but you know what? They love my dips. I love it. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm totally game to, to try it out. And when you were, when you were doing commission-based sales at a trade show, what was uh, the average return as far as like what you actually made over the course of say a weekend trade show? And do you remember how much you made at your first trade show with Chadwick's Naturals and how much you made there? I do. Um, when you're working for commission, you've got a minimum. Um, it's a minimum of like $200 per a show with anything over the 2000, you make a 15% commission on. So I was making on average 1200 to 2000 a show, which is great. And they also give you a per diem. And most of the time you get mileage and they pay for your hotel. So it's a, it's honestly, it was a great way to start out for us. And there's lots of companies that do that. Um, when I started Chadwick's Naturals, my first show, I grossed $3,200 and I walked away with about 1800 after all of our expenses were paid. Wow. And, and what was the feeling difference between having your own product versus like the commission sales, like as far as how you felt during the show after, you know, like pitching something that was something that you made. Oh, it was absolutely amazing. It was my money. It was money that would support my family and knowing that, and the first show I did, it was a very small show. It was a Swanee Fest in um, Georgia. So it was a pretty small show and I did that well. So I was very excited. I knew that you know, I could pay our bills, I could take care of my family. Um, you know, at that time, we weren't even full time yet. We were traveling from show to show to show every weekend. I was leaving on Friday, coming home on Sunday. And knowing that if I could make that kind of money, that was more than I made in my paycheck in a week. So it was it was very exciting for us to know that the opportunity was there for us to be able to make our own way and our own living. I love that. I'm assuming there are other dip companies that go to trade shows, correct? There are. So I'm I'm curious, how do you stand out? Like if you're sitting there in a row with five, 10 other dip companies, I have no idea how many dip companies go to an average trade show. How do you get your product to stand out for people so that they not only want to stop, but buy your product? And I really think this is so, probably relevant for anybody who's thinking about going to any trade show. There's always going to be like a lot of other companies there. So it seems like you're obviously doing really well on this path. So I'm just, yeah, I'm excited to hear what your thoughts are on that. 
So, um, yes, there are lots of shows that I am the only dip bender. Um, there are shows that I do. I do um, a show called the Southern Women Show where I deal with, on average, four other dip benders. But I will tell you, if you look at my website and you look at the picture of me and standing in front of my booth, I've got a booth unlike anybody's ever seen um, because I think outside the box, we've really pumped it up and it first impressions are everything to me. So I make sure that as soon as my customers walk up, I'm engaging with them. Um, you got a smile on your face. You know, you see a lot of people who sit back in their chairs and they're playing on their phones and yeah, they let people grab their own pretzels and just dip away and they never say a word to them. I stand out because A, I've got flavors that you'll never see from another vendor and B, I engage my customers. I talk to them. We joke and we laugh and I'm constantly talking to people. Um, one of the things I say as soon as people walk up and I say it pretty loudly is no double dipping, no finger dipping. And people just get a kick out of that. And, you know, the engaging your customers is what's going to make you or break you. Mm. I mean, every time we go to a farmer's market, part of the reason I end up wanting to stop at different booths is, is honestly just to talk to people as much as it is to buy their product because you get, it's more of an experience with your food. So it's, it's not really, you're, you're really not just there to buy product. At least I'm not, I'm there to talk with the, the guy who is selling the coffee beans and hear which countries he's traveled to, to go visit the coffee farms and, and, and get to know him a little bit. And then, yeah, I'm going to buy, you know, a few pounds of coffee or something like that. So it seems like that is kind of a no brainer, but that's not everybody's personality to do that. <laughs> and it's not, um, I am very passionate about my dips. My husband says that if you get her started talking about them, she'll never shut up. So <laughs> a lot of people, of course, ask me, you know, what's your favorite flavor? Um, you know, my favorite flavor is still the first dip I ever created. It's called Dilly Dally. Um, it's a dill dip. People, you know, I hear Dilly Dilly all the time because of the commercial that came out a couple of years ago. But it's all about engaging and telling people where you're from and your experiences. And I hear it all the time. How did you get started with this? So constantly telling that story and constantly interacting with the customers. But it's all about your background. It's about your story. People love to hear where you came from and where you're going. That's that's such a good point. When you're evaluating shows, Shanna, on this could be a good opportunity or this is a show that I absolutely have to go to, how do you evaluate trade shows, because I'm sure some are on the same weekend. So how do you pick which ones you want to go to and where do you find them? So um, I start doing my show calendar for the following year, start around August. Um, because of some of your good festivals, your big festivals, applications come out early and you always want to be um, one of those first ones to apply so that if it's a first come first serve, if it's um you know, people are the coordinators of the festival. They have um, different jury dates. So if you're in, if it's a juror festival, which means that a panel of people sit down and they look at your pictures, they look at your information that you've submitted and they decide on if you, if they invite you to the festival or not. Well, if you have a juror show that they have three or four juror meetings, you want to be in that first juror meeting. You want to be one of the first dip vendors they see because 
if you're the first then and they're only accepting one or two then you're in and you may not have anybody else in I find most of my festivals um, on a website called festival.net. It is a paid website, but it's only $50 a year, which is amazing. Um, it also has reviews. It has the attendance rate. I start, um, I pull my schedule up and I look and then I go into festival.net. I choose the states that I want to be in. You can narrow it down all the way down to zip code. So I start with states and I start with a minimum attendance of 150,000. I want to go big or I'm going to go home. So um, then you go through and you start booking and you start putting in your calendar. My calendar has one weekend and it has three different spots so that I can put three different festivals and I can check into all of them, Google information about them. So festival.net is a really, really good point for people looking to start building. I also have a um, Facebook group that I'm that I created a couple years ago it's called crafter talk we um, in that Facebook group we talk about festivals we talk about what's good what's bad if we go back so forth things like that so that you can get a feel from other people what festivals you know are going to be good what festivals are going to be bad but for me dips are totally different people can they can always justify a consumable you know, you got to eat every day. So for me saying this festival was really, really good for me may not be, may not be very good for somebody selling flower crowns or something like that, because it's just a different type of product that we're selling. So that's why we try to talk through things and, you know, you can always try, you just got to try them. And, and I've got shows that I've been going to for 10 years that it was just, uh, I winged it and decided to try it on a whim and they've been some of my best shows. What's been the smallest show that you've went to that you didn't really have, you kind of had tempered expectations, but it really just surpassed all expectations. Has there been something like that? It is. Um, so a couple of years ago in North Carolina, I did the white squirrel festival. I had no idea there was even a white squirrel, but it, I couldn't find anything else that weekend. It was actually Memorial Day weekend is the uh, weekend they do that show every year. And it totally surpassed every thought that I that I had. Um, I didn't go into there expecting much money at all. And I absolutely did tremendous. Um, people were just so engaged. I was the only dip vendor there, which is always a plus. And they just, they were very intrigued with the dips. They were amazed at the different flavors I had. And it just went tremendously well. I love it. And, and, and when you say tremendously well, what are some of the economics for kind of the average show, if you don't mind sharing? I'll be honest with you, when I'm looking for shows and I find a show in a city, um, I go above and beyond just looking for stuff. I check unemployment rates. I check your medium income over there to see what type of crowd I'm going to have, what type of people are going to be there. Um, honestly, I prefer shows that you have to pay to get into or shows that do not have carnivals just because when you get into those type of shows you have a lot of people that just they go for the carnival they're not looking for the craft show um 
if it's a non-pay, then you have a lot of lookers. So you don't do as well as those. I have a really small show that I do twice a year. It's called Calico Arts and Crafts Show. It's in Moultrie, Georgia, and it is absolutely amazing for us. And it's a very small show, but people have to pay to get in. So you know that they that they are serious to buy and serious um, to look for different things that they like. And I do on average in those two days, I do on average three to five grand there. So I do very well. And it's like I said, it's a very small show. That's awesome. And I would assume you run into some of the same people at a lot of these other shows, right? Yes. Uh, Crafter Talk is, like I said, my Facebook group. And we kind of meet up, we have dinner together. Because when you're doing shows over and over again, or even when you're even if it's a brand new show, when you're on that same circuit, people are doing shows too. So they're traveling kind of to the same places you are. Um, we have stuck to the East Coast just because before I went full time a couple years ago, I had been doing shows for upwards of seven to 10 years that are very good shows for me. And I just haven't let them go yet because I would really, of course, like to head to the Midwest. Um, there's no dip vendors in the Midwest that I've really seen. There's not a lot of competition out there so it's just a matter of letting things go and venturing out west i love that what are some other things that are sold at shows that you come across all the time that if you weren't in the dip business you'd be like i would definitely sell a product like that because people are always interested them in them at trade shows is there something like that that comes to mind oh there is um one is um honey that a good friend of ours makes that I see all the time at different festivals, everybody's selling honey and um, honey is something that is particular to the region that you're in. Of course you want to buy that honey, but honey's a big thing. Everybody's interested because of the effects and the health benefits of honey. Another thing that I see um, sold by actually another um, member of RV Entrepreneur is teas. And John and Chris own True Honey Teas, and they do amazingly well. Everybody loves teas, and they like the, um, the health benefits of that kind of stuff. I don't think I could ever crochet or anything like that. You do see a lot of that at festivals. I'm more into the food side, as you can tell. Um, but there's just so many things that you can do. There's so many options, even if you don't have that crafty side of you, you don't crochet, you don't sew, don't let that deter you because there are so many other things that you can get into and be successful at these different shows. I love it. Yeah. We always look for, you know, local organic honey and things like that at farmer's markets. And it's always so nice to be able to get at a place like that versus, you know, getting it from great value Walmart or something. Uh, when you, when on a normal year, you're doing 40 shows a year. And I know in 2020, you said you only did six. What is the cadence for travel? Because you guys are in your RV and you've been full-time for a few years now. So 40 shows a year, you're basically up and going every week, you're at a different place and a different show. And your schedule is kind of dictated by going to these shows. So how does that kind of blend with the full time RV lifestyle? Are you guys getting to do things outside of 
outside of the shows and in cool areas where are, are the dislocation play any impact on deciding yes we want to go to the show because it's in florida and it sounds nice to be there or you know is it more dictated on no matter where the show is if it's a good show i'm going to be there well i'll be honest with you um is if it's a good show i'm gonna be there <laughs> show it is um festival season usually runs from march until the end of november on the east coast the summer kind of gets there's not there's not many festivals in the summer just because it is so hot i do have a 10-day festival in gatlinburg that i do that's indoors so we try to plan any family trips and so forth in the um, summer months. In the winter months, we try to hit RV shows, boat shows, things like that to really pick up like a really pick up the extra slack around there. Um, just like I have a tiny home show in Jacksonville in two weeks, I'll be attending selling dips there. You, you kind of do whatever you can, and we make family time in the middle. Just like I said, we were at TTO these last two weeks because I didn't have a show. Um, I had a show a couple weeks ago in Vero Beach for, um, it was called the Frog Lake Festival. Like I said, I'll do any show to make money. And from there, we decided to go to TTO so that the kids could spend some time with some other kids before the show circuit really starts. What is your sentiment on how the show season is going to look in 2021 as far as the number of shows, how they're going to be taking precautions or allowing certain amounts of people in and things like that? Obviously, everyone will be masked up and things like that. But do you feel there will be a decent amount of show opportunity if others are looking at being able to go and sell products this year? I am, of course, not expecting to do 40 shows this year. I'm hoping to do at least 50 to 60%. I've, of course, already done one this year, and I've got another one coming up. Um, some of my regular shows are slated to to go on. I've got the Manatee Festival the end of March in Crystal River. So the one thing that I find that is it's hard for me is because a lot of these shows decide or not decide just like the manatee festival said no sampling so i was like whoa whoa wait a second so i sent pictures of the way i sample because i have one of the most sanitary setups that you'll ever see as far as sampling i require now that covid has come i require gloves i require um pretzels are put into a cup so that people just have their own cup of pretzels i have lids so i've had to a couple of times had to send in pictures of the way i sample um three shows already have changed their mind and allowed me to sample just because of that situation but I hope to have 50 to 60 shows um, go on this year you know luckily we've got some some passive income through my husband that does some marketing of course he does my website and so forth um, and we do get internet sales so that keeps things going as well we are we do have a shopping um, available but we you can you can purchase tips from my website as well but um, as long as things keep going and COVID vaccines are more steadily available and people decide to take those or not decide that's um, 
then shows are going to start picking back up because I think people are tired of being inside. They're tired of living their lives based on the current situation and they want to get out. And as long as they're healthy and comfortable with that, then of course, you know, shows will continue to pick up. In a lot of ways, I can see it being fairly similar to how restaurants have adapted, at least here in Colorado. Like we went to places like Salida and a lot of restaurants do, you know, in the weather permitting outdoor dining and they're trying to do everything that they can take precautionary measures to still be able to run their businesses. I, I mean, imagine a lot of there's a lot of similarities with crossover there, right? There are, um, just like one of my shows, Calico, which I'll do in March, they have, it is held at Spence Field, which is um, a former military base, and the show is held indoors and outdoors. Um, the indoor shows are actually in the um, air hangars, so they're not totally indoors, but what they have done is they have opened additional air hangars, and they have spaced the tents. Instead of us being right butted up right next to each other, we're now my tent, an empty space, another tent, an empty space. So they're spacing those tents out so that people have more ability for social distancing if they so choose and they don't have to, you know, be as crowded. So that's a big, big plus for shows like that. And I've seen that happen quite a bit. They're just, um, opening more areas or they're not taking as many vendors so that they can spread booths out more, which, which helps with attendance and people seeing that they are taking the precautions that they can to ensure that everybody's safe and attending. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. Shannon, I have one more question for you, and it's not really COVID related, just kind of in general. If if somebody's wanting to start a business and be able to support an income while they travel across the country, what would you say are some of the biggest mistakes that either you have made or that you've seen other people made as it pertains to being able to sell a product at shows? Like if you could talk to yourself 10 years ago or just somebody who is first getting started doing this, like what kind of mistakes would you uh, try to encourage them to avoid? Um, first impression is everything. Don't sit on your, don't sit on your phone and sit back in your chair and not engage your customers. That is the biggest mistake you could ever make in dealing with a craft show because people come there to talk to people. They want to see people. They want to know how things are made. They want to interact. And that in itself is a big selling point for whatever you decide to sell. Um, don't give up. There's going to be good shows. There's going to be bad shows. Take it with a grain of salt and know that you can move on to the next show. Don't put all your eggs in that one basket. If you're just starting out, don't go like, don't go and do a $1,500 show because you think you're going to make a lot of money because you don't know. It was probably not until two to three years ago, and I've been doing dips for 13 years, so it was a long time before I ever paid $1,200 for a booth. That was totally out of my price range. It was absurd. There's... I could have never imagined doing that. But the first one I ever did was in Nashville, Tennessee. And I did a Southern women's show and I grossed over $8,800 that weekend. So I did absolutely well, which made me be 
more open to some bigger shows, but start small. You've got church bazaars, you've got flea markets, you've got small craft shows, you can even sell at gun shows. There's a lot of men that take their wives to gun shows and those women have nothing to look at. So, you know, find to find places to sell at even. I've got a friend, she sets up at Tractor Supply at the end of the parking lot and she sells um stuff that she has sewed but you know don't give up engage your customers and pick your shows wisely get part of a facebook group for crafters um you're more than welcome to join crafter talk and we talk about shows we talk about what's good what's bad even you know we engage with people that are just starting out and what should they sell what should they do how should they do it you know we've got a great group of people on that facebook page that are always willing to help i love it well thank you so much shanna for coming on the podcast if people want to connect with you or buy one of your dips where's a good place to do that Absolutely. They can go to www.chadwicksnaturals.com. You can reach out to us there. All of my flavors are there. Um, if you'd like to contact me directly, you can contact me at Shanna, S-H-A-N-N-A, at chadwicksnaturals.com. I'm always willing to help other crafters um, get their toes wet if you've got questions or you just don't know where to turn. If you're looking to sell for somebody else, I can um, lead you in the right direction on that. We've got some different companies that are looking that I know of. Um, Facebook, of course, Shanna Wyatt. Chadwick's Naturals is on Facebook. Go and like our page. And then Crafter Talk, of course, is the Facebook page. And we're always willing to help. Awesome. Thank you so much, Shanna. Thank you so much for listening. Guys, if you are starving right now, you can order Shanna's dips at chadwicksnaturals.com. I ordered four. I ordered the Asiago Prime Dip, the Dilly Dally, which Shanna said was her favorite, the Bloomin' Onion, and the House Blend, because it's my rule that you should always order the House Blend if someone has it. Works for coffee, works for wine, now it works for dips. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We will see you next week on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.